Hello and welcome to the NZX podcast, the perfect place to learn about the New Zealand equity markets, global dairy markets and ESG. Hi listeners, welcome to NZX podcast for September, What's on the Shelves? A dive into inventories uh, around the world and movements in global dairy markets. Later in the podcast, we'll be joined by Elizabeth Badger from High Ground Dairy. But right now, I'm joined by NZX's newest dairy analyst, Alex Winning, who joins us from NZTE. Hi, Alex. How have your first few weeks at NZX been like? Hey, Stu. Um, they've been great. Everyone's been super friendly despite the lockdown. Um, and uh, I've got the best manager in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to be a part of this team. Um, a little bit about me, I have a background in trade and environmental science um, and I've come from NZTE as a business advisor in the export customer team uh, and my family is very angry with my mum at uh, irrigation and uh, lots of family in the dairy and hort industry. Um, I've got a commerce and science conjoint, I double majored both um, and did in international trade, marketing, environmental science, and human geo. Awesome. Great to have you on board. Right, let's talk about the Global Dairy Trade event last week. Uh, What an exciting event that was. To see GDET price index finally make a substantial gain after such a long slide was uh, relieving for uh, the farmer side anyway. What were some of the highlights that you saw? Yeah, um, a positive result across the board. Uh, All commodity prices increased um, and there were great uh, increases for prices across all contract periods too. Um, Whole milk powder lifted 3.3%. However, the reduction of Chinese demand for whole milk powder volumes was intriguing, Um, but it also explained by uh, the greater volume contracted with Fonterra currently. Uh, skim milk powder, uh, powder prices jumped massively, uh, 7.3% up on the last auction, um, with prices across the board lifting. And skim milk powder prices at the GDT really reflect the NZX uh, futures curve too, which continues to lift towards uh, and into the new year. Awesome. Uh, how did the cream group grow? They've uh, been relatively steady over the last few auctions. Uh, what was this auction like for them? Yeah, um, the cream group delivered again. Uh, both butter and AMF, uh, AMF prices lifted over 3%, with a real floor price being established for these two products over the last handful of auctions. Um, the cream group's futures also moved higher following this GDT, with good trading volumes for both butter and AMF futures over the last week. Uh, it's a good sign that the market expects prices to remain buoyant yet. What's your take for the next events, Stu? Yeah, well, uh, from the current standpoint, um, it would seem the second event of September will be supported. However, it might be a little bit more muted than normal. Uh, interestingly, next uh, week, Fonterra announces the final Farmgate milk price for 2020-21 uh, dairy season, while also updating their forecast for the 2021-22 season, um, which is bound to be exciting. Uh, the NZX dairy derivatives market has been running red hot since the last GDT event which in my eyes will no doubt uh, see prices supported at this event, if not possibly pushed a little higher. All set to be an exciting GDT event. How are you? How are conditions looking for um, NZ currently? Well, as New Zealand farmers on the whole edge closer to the end of spring carving for the 21-22 season, which I'm sure they're very excited about, uh, growing conditions out there are actually looking really good. Uh, soil moisture is across the country uh, higher than this time last year. 
Uh, hopefully avoiding the early feed pinch that the North Island experienced last year due to drier than normal season soils. And that, that dry uh, pinch really hurt, you know, mating and, and as well as milk production. So we, there's a bit of a follow on from that. Uh, Canterbury soils are also wetter than the historical average at this point in time. Uh, obviously, or unfortunately, that uh, moisture has also come with flooding very much earlier in the season um, and, a, and a, a tougher bit of an early spring. But uh, this higher soil moisture has definitely been encouraging farmers expecting better grass growth and also keeping irrigators off for longer too. Temperatures in Canterbury have also been slightly higher than the average too. And uh, further south, Southland farmers have had a, a warmer start to September than normal with pastures growing well down there too. Overall, a good start to the season for grass production. However, we must also mem uh, mention costs in New Zealand are increasing at the farm gate. Uh, and as a quick example of that, uh, urea prices 46% higher than this time last year, while imported feeds, you know, your palm kennels and your DDD, DDGs, sorry, are also much higher than this time last year, which is really starting to put a squeeze on, uh, squeeze, sorry, on uh, farmers' margins. So, how this, you know, affects milk production for the season is, is going to be hard to gauge currently, but uh, something we'll keep an eye on. Interesting. Well, um, thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for joining the uh, NZX podcast, Alex, and uh, I'm sure you'll feature on a few of these going forward, and um, it's always exciting. So uh, next, we'll hear from Alyssa Badger from High Ground, and uh, we'll get her take on uh, inventories and what's on the shelves around the world. Hi guys, uh, welcome to uh, NZX Podcast and we've got Alyssa Badger with us from High Ground Dairy. Welcome Alyssa, how are you getting on? I'm great, thanks for having me on, I'm excited. It's a nice sunny day here, finally in the office and staring out at the Sears Tower in downtown Chicago, so beautiful morning. Oh that's brilliant, well I'm sitting here in uh, small town Dunsandal in the South Island of Christchurch, uh, South Island of New Zealand, south of Christchurch and um Spring is on the way here in New Zealand, so uh, you know grass is finally growing, and um, it's good to see one of us has got sunshine because it's pretty gloomy down here. Well, let's get into this, Alyssa. Um, the topic of this uh, podcast is what's on the shelves, so we're looking at inventory and and whatnot. So um, you're you're in, as you've mentioned in the US, so let's talk about US, um, you know, cold storage and whatnot in the in, in your world, and run me through what you're seeing at the moment. Yeah, so July, August, and September, for those of you that aren't familiar with how the U.S. milking system works, those are relatively weaker production months here in the U.S. Um, a lot more milk moves into bottling plants because schools are opening back up. And as a result, there's a lot less milk heading to dryers or to cheese vats. So, um, you know, as of the July data, that's the latest we have, cheese and butter stocks here are pretty damn heavy uh, butter stocks have been above prior year for 25 months. That's more than two years now wow. at this point. Yeah. And um, we're sitting at about 180,000 tons, which, by the way, that's more tonnage than New Zealand has shipped all year so far <laughs> in 2021. So just to paint a picture there. Um, and cheese, you know, most of the cheese here in the U.S. is produced in the Midwest. And there's been just an abundant amount of milk coming out of that region of the country. So we're sitting on about um, 660,000 metric ton of cheese. Um, basically, that means that we've got plenty available to meet any anticipated demand that we're going to see kind of throughout the year here. Wow, that's incredible when you start, um, <clears throat> you know, putting in those sort of volumes, it's 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 hard to fathom. So then how does that sort of work for, for the, the cheese market? What are you expecting to see there and the butter for both of those products really? How are you expecting that to um, shape the market going forward for the rest of this year? 
There's a lot of things at play here between inflation and obviously Delta and the uncertainty around food service opening back up. There is some decent support in the markets right now that we weren't necessarily anticipating, but um, seasonally speaking, we should see some further support on cheese and butter over the coming months, but we'll trail off uh, and become a bit more bearish here into the beginning of next year as these inventories kind of hang on the market and get brought into um, a fresh year. So something to watch for there, that's for sure. Awesome. What about uh, U.S. milk production? It seems from our point of view, like uh, the U.S. milk production might be finally slowing down. Is 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 that building to the to your bearish views there later in the, in the year, or or is that not sort of a new calculation at the moment? So U.S. milk production, um, it's just been massive. First half of this year, we saw dairy farmers build their herd size to uh, incredible sizes here. And what we're finally seeing is that margins are beginning to uh, get cut into because of higher feed costs and because of drought concerns in the western region of the U.S. So the herd size here is kind of plateaued and so have yields and milk production should normalize through the end of the year. Um, instead of seeing, you know, two, three, 3.5% growth like we were seeing earlier in the year, we're going to be back down near normal levels of between 1.9, 1.5% growth uh, into the end of the year. The biggest problem, I think, when, when looking at what's happening in the U.S. right now is the western region of the U.S. The drought conditions have just worsened over time, and there mm. doesn't seem to be any alleviation. We've got uh, water reserves drying out, water restrictions, and you know a lot of our butter, skim milk powder is produced out in California and the western region of the U.S. So we're seeing a bit of support in those markets as a result. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, yeah, that drought monitor we've been watching pretty heavily, but uh, thanks. That's really good insights. Thank you. Uh, so, so that's good. We've run through the U.S. I think you know stocks are pretty heavy there, like you said, and um, and everything's sort of coming together. So let's move out of the U.S. and let's. Um, what's your sort of your take on China and the, the greater Asian market currently? What do you, you know? There's a lot of market sentiment at the moment that China's building inventory, or um, you know they're they're looking pretty full of full of um, um, product. What's your take on that? How do you see that? I think when I think about the situation in Asia right now, the, the key thing that most analysts are discussing are inventory levels in China. So I'll start there. Um, we have contacts in the in the region and they are the skim milk powder inventories in China are historically heavy and of course well above their monthly consumption rates. And when you think about it, it's it's pretty unsurprising because you, you know, we've been watching these strong import volumes every month and while a lot of people think, you know, they're nervous around these high inventory levels, I think it's okay. Uh, safety stocks in China are kind of reaching this new level of normal. And, of course, they're becoming increasingly necessary, these uh, safety stocks, as we <laughs> go through another year of significant uncertainty. On the whole milk powder side, when looking at their consumption levels over there, China's whole milk powder consumption rates have maintained about 50% of what inventory levels they've been tracking throughout much of this year. And that seems pretty healthy to me and not overwhelmingly bearish by any means, despite what, you know, some people have been talking about. 
And then, you know, when I think we discuss other products like finished goods, it's really hard to measure what level of comfort is now necessary for the Chinese stocks, given that consumption is only going to expand from here over the next five years. And, you know, just thinking medium term there, there's been so many programs developed to encourage domestic consumption, uh, yet their internal abilities to fulfill their own um, expanding demand is very limited. So it's difficult for me to get bearish on these strong inventory levels because I think they're necessary. Yeah, awesome. I mean, I completely agree with you too there. So it's um, it's interesting to see that, especially the New Zealand community of analysts, have, uh, have uh, well, a few of them anyway, having a bit of an opposing view on that one. So I'm, uh, I'm happy you agree with my view there, Alyssa. That's that's awesome. Thank you. Um, uh, and then the other one too is, is how do you see that uh, inventory? Obviously, you, you, you're not you're not bearish. So you see it's not going to affect demand um, for the rest of you know, we're talking the New Zealand season here. The rest of the season, you're pretty happy demand will at least hold or, or continue to slightly grow? Yeah, you know, I think it will hold. And obviously, if there are any milk production hiccups, that'll add a really strong bullish tone to the market. But outside of that, when we saw Fonterra remove those volumes on auction, I think that that, of course, I believe that's primarily around Chinese demand. But I think there's a strong level of even now with these strong inventories, these buyers are really worried about getting product into their borders on time just because of what happened in 2020. Um, we saw their inventories drop off significantly into uh, Q3 of last year, and I don't think they ever want to be in that position again, which is why Fonterra is probably locking in contracts off of the platform because they know they can rely on Fonterra and other New Zealand co-ops to um, you know, due to their shipping relationships, get the product out in time and into their borders. So I know I've talked to a lot of people that are saying Chinese demand has, you know, taken a steep drop, but I think it's because um, they're locking in commitments elsewhere, and I don't think it's deteriorating demand just yet. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, actually. It's, um, yeah. Like I've said, I couldn't agree more. It's awesome. Let's, um, you know, we've, I think we've covered that sort of the Asian. Uh, is it worth touching on the EU for you? Um, you know, is there any sort of, uh, you know, they've been lagging on milk production. Um, the, the export's obviously going to slow down as a result. What's your, you know, as a quick take, uh, how do you see that market affecting stuff going forward? I think we finally got that July milk production data out of the EU, and it was negative. Um, and at the same time, we saw, yeah, their exports <laughs> took a steep drop during July. And interestingly enough, I, I think that goes hand in hand with the idea that product is relatively tight compared to where demand is sitting right now. And we saw nearly every product fall below prior year. And it's not like last year was a massive export year by any means out of Europe, but we are seeing commodities find support even though there's weaker amount, uh, even though there's weaker commodity exports coming out of the EU. And I think that just continues to lend to the idea that um, overall commodity availability is, is pretty tight. Um, I think just to pivot here, out of the U.S., we've seen record monthly export volumes every month since February um, to the latest July data. So things are going well out of the U.S. despite the bottlenecks at ports. And I only want to bring this up because, you know, unfortunately, and this is just my opinion, but 
those exports are primarily strong out of the U.S. because we've become this source of affordability for a lot of foreign buyers. So we are taking a bit of market share away from other exporters such as the EU because we're so competitively priced. Um, and unlike New Zealand, we aren't, you know, catching a premium or uh, providing this really strong value add to international customers. So obviously that's something we need to work on. But, um, you know, looking at individual commodities, undoubtedly the most growth out of the U.S. has been on nonfat and skim milk powder shipments, uh, followed by whey and fat. So, of course, that's going to be digging into European market share as well as we continue to offer our products at a lower rate. You've nailed it. That was a great pivot. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, you've, you've beat me to the punch on that one. It's uh, it's awesome. Thank you. Um, I mean, the the skim uh, story is massive at the moment. I think um, you know you, you summed that up really well with the the price point difference and the and the change in the markets we're seeing at the moment. Um, very interesting. Um, what's happening going forward there? So. Um, thank you very much for your time. Uh, always good to speak to you, Alyssa from um, High Ground Dairy in the US. And uh, we can't wait to have you on another podcast in the future. Thank you very much. Cheers, Stu. Good to talk. Thanks for listening to the NZX podcast. Tune in to further episodes by subscribing to our channel and let us know what you want to know more about by emailing us at podcast at nzx.com. We would love to hear from you. Until then, catch you next time. The information provided in this podcast is guidance only and intended for general information purposes. It does not constitute investment advice. NZX Limited disclaims all liability for any error, inaccuracy or omission or for any loss suffered through relying on this podcast. Proprietary rights of the podcast are owned or licensed by NZX and no part of this information may be redistributed or reproduced in any forms or by any means without the written consent of NZX.